12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, time for our Australia update with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist, all the way out in Brisbane. So much to get through. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing really well, Adrian. Lovely to talk to you again as we uh, open things up here in Australia. A very exciting news. Yes, the first tourists are allowed back from the 17th of November. Australian borders will finally open once again to the world. What's the atmosphere like over in Australia right now? Well, the atmosphere is one of excitement and of anticipation, and we are seeing things opening up, especially in Sydney and Melbourne with the international borders reopening at the start of this week. And the first flights uh, coming into Sydney and Melbourne, both from Singapore. So that was uh, really, really good to see that. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, the first tourists can be welcomed back to, on November the 17th. At the moment, it's uh, you know permanent residents and Australian citizens who are allowed back in. But from the 17th of November, from certain selected countries, including Singapore, they're able to, to fly in to Sydney and Melbourne. Situation in Brisbane, where I am, is a bit different. They're a bit more cautious about opening things up. But the two biggest cities have given the green light uh, for tourists to come back from the middle of this month. And that's very, very good news as we approach Christmas and into the new year as well. Jason, as a Singapore permanent resident, of course, once you saw the news, how did you react? I mean, because you've been wanting to get back here for a while, but because of the border closures and so far, you haven't been able to carry on with your uh, day-to-day life as you would have. Yeah, indeed. I really uh, miss Singapore. I haven't been in Singapore since early 2020, just before the pandemic began and uh, I have a little company in Singapore, Cockatoo Media. I work for Money FM as a you know fill-in presenter and I've done that for, for some time. So that's uh, all been put on hold. However, now I am able to travel back and uh, just over the last few days, I've been approved for my renewal for my Singapore permanent residence, which is really good news. It's always a bit of a worry when you live offshore like I have. So for me, it does open up more possibilities of traveling back and forth. So I will see how things unfold into the new year and definitely look at booking a trip to Singapore early in 2022. Yeah, of course, it is very exciting, this news with the vaccinated travel lane, also the borders opening up again. But, you know, is there a sense of caution as well, just, you know, in case if everything goes terribly wrong once again? I think there is a sense of caution in Western Australia and also Queensland. These are the two states in Australia that have had very, very little COVID uh, transmission over the last few months, uh, and the borders are closed between these states and other states. So we're concerned here in Queensland that from the 17th of December, when the state borders uh, reopen and people from Victoria and New South Wales, which uh, people uh, who love to come and visit uh, Queensland, they're going to be bringing potentially COVID with them. So that'll be a bit like what happened to Singapore, I think, a few weeks ago uh, when things opened up and we saw infections uh, spike. Uh, So that's the concern that in the states that haven't really dealt with COVID on a day-to-day basis like Victoria and New South Wales, how will the people here react when suddenly there could be one, two, three thousand cases a day? That's the big question mark. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Australia's vaccination rate. Um, Actually, 4,000 unvaccinated Queensland health workers have been stood down, Jason. What's happening here? Yeah, this is an interesting story because, uh, you know, the state of Queensland is where I am. And, uh, you know, the government, state government has suspended 4,000 unvaccinated healthcare workers on full pay 
after reporting that at least one-tenth of the state's workforce had not yet had two jabs. And, you know, I've seen this kind of thing happen before where, you know, health workers or people working in hospitals who aren't vaccinated either transmit COVID-19 or catch it themselves. So this is a big story this week. We heard from the health minister of Queensland, uh, Mrs. Darth, and she said there were 7,000 people who were yet to be fully vaccinated, but 3,000 were on long service or maternity leave. And we've seen these 4,000 workers, which is around 3% of the total health workforce in Queensland, stood down for the moment. And as I mentioned, uh, you know, my previous comment that once things open up here again, it's going to be very, very challenging if uh, we don't have all the health workers on board in case people get sick because the hospital system here hasn't yet been tested with you know surging coronavirus cases and same in Western Australia as well. Yeah, but it's so good to see how the vaccination rates have significantly improved compared to, you know, just a few months ago when it was terrible <laughs> to say the least. Away from the COVID-19 pandemic and all the anti-vaxxers, Prime Minister Scott Morrison's been in the news. He's at the COP26 summit over in Glasgow. But just to touch on an incident with the French President Emmanuel Macron over an abandoned submarine contract, the French President actually called the Australian Prime Minister a liar. Yeah, this is something that's gone back and forth between the two leaders. We saw a very awkward uh, greeting between the two of them in Rome at the G20 last week. But uh, Scott Morrison has stridently defended his integrity and personal conduct in the wake of that attack from the French President Emmanuel Macron. He accused the Prime Minister of lying about a $90 billion submarine contract. To give you some background on this, you know, Australia had this deal with France and they were going to do this big contract to build submarines. And then at the last moment, Australia went with the US, a deal with them, with the US and the UK. So this has really upset Emmanuel Macron. And he basically was asked, um, you know, do you think Mr. Morrison has lied to you? And this was in Rome. He said, Mr. Macron responded, I don't think I know he lied. So this is very, very explosive stuff. And we did see France uh, withdrawing its ambassador uh, to Australia temporarily uh, in September. But the prime minister is insistent he didn't lie. And he's uh, actually spoken about a text message that the Murdoch media, which is very pro Scott Morrison, released that showed that Mr. Morrison had been texting Emmanuel Macron about the, the deal and wanting to discuss it. And Mr. Macron did not uh, you know, get back to him on the phone. So uh, this is the way that Mr. Morrison is, uh, I guess, justifying things that he, yeah, I was trying to reach out to uh, France. I didn't blindside them. Here's uh, the text message, which uh, the Murdoch media here is uh, leaked, which makes Mr. Morrison look a lot better rather than his word against the Frenchman's word. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist, discussing all the latest headlines from Australia. Jason, housing prices have seen a boom as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The average house prices jumped $52,000, while Australian wages stay low, providing financial stress for many Australians. Now, are we going to see more of this boom? Well, the prediction is, Adrian, that house prices could rise by over a hundred thousand Australian dollars, which is about the same as the Singapore dollar, as, uh, as many of your listeners know, by the end of next year. That's due to the reopening of international borders, forecasting an eight percent increase to house prices in Sydney, which is already very, very expensive. Then that could take the median value of a house 
in Sydney up to $1.37 million by the end of 2022. Now, that's all well and good because everyone thinks, you know, that people are making money out of real estate. But the challenge for Australians is that wages remain very, very low. And there's been virtually no growth in real wages in the last few years. And that's put a lot of uh, stress under on people from different backgrounds, whether they're young people or older people. And, you know, that's the issue. Wage growth is only 1.7% this year. It's been weak for almost a decade. And the Treasury here predicts that there'll be more pressure on people because their purchasing power, that means what they can get for their money, is sliding backwards. I mean, I've noticed it coming back to Australia about two years ago that it's very hard to get ahead financially here because of the high taxes. Everything's expensive. We don't have hawker centers here or anything like that. And look, I know Singapore is not cheap, but the things in Singapore that we're used to getting inexpensively are very expensive here in Australia, whether it's food at uh, food courts or hawker centers or labor costs. You know, if you want to get a handyman around to your house, it's very, very expensive. So that's the big issue that house prices are just going absolutely crazy here, but wages are stagnant. While house prices are going berserk over in Australia, let's talk a little bit about the tennis, the Grand Slam of the Asia-Pacific. Just a few months away, the Australian Open, world number one Novak Djokovic in the men's draw has said that he hasn't declared his vaccination status yet, and he's not sure whether he will defend his crown. Prime Minister Scott Morrison said that those who aren't vaccinated will have to do a mandatory quarantine on arrival in Australia. But do you think he'll defend his his title, what's happening with this whole quarantine setup? Because, I mean, there was a lot of uncertainty when players had to train in their rooms and there was uproar from a lot of these players as well. What's happening with the tournament? Well, we all know that Novak Djokovic is by far the best player in the world at the moment. You know, he's the world number one. He's been winning grand slams like crazy over the last few years, but he's very uh, opaque, let's say, when it comes to his vaccination status. He doesn't say whether he's uh, vaccinated or not, which again is his right. But as you mentioned, you know, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison has said that unvaccinated players would have to complete those two weeks of hard quarantine that we saw this year with the Australian Open. And we're kind of walking a tightrope here because we want to open up to the rest of the world, but we also want to make sure that we aren't spreading COVID-19, uh, you know, with our sports community or with our public community. So, you know, Djokovic actually did test positive to COVID-19 last year, and he held that event in Serbia that uh, was in the middle of the pandemic. It was kind of an exhibition event, and, you know, it was a super spreader event. So he's very polarizing when it comes to the way things are in terms of vaccination. He's a very controversial player, very controversial individual. So I, I would say he probably won't come. That's my prediction. You know, he's won 20 Grand Slam titles and, you know, he probably would think that he doesn't want to go to the hassle of coming to Australia and having to go through all that. So that's my prediction. Um, I know the listeners out there might have their own opinions about Novak Djokovic. I tend, you tend to be either a Federer fan, a Dahl fan or a Djokovic fan. So my personal view is that I think that, you know, if you do want to take part in this tournament, you got to play by the rules of the tournament. And that means everything from vaccination to, you know, doing press conferences, uh, you know, to obeying the, the rules of the land. So that's unfortunately the way things are. And Novak has to obey to these rules, even though he is, uh, as I say, by far the best player in the world.
Yeah, he certainly is. And, uh, you know, he'll be going for a historic title, actually. We have a quite a unique scenario where we enter the Australian Open with Novak, uh, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal all level on the same amount of Grand Slams, which promises to be one heck of a tournament. Jason, just before I let you go, you've got a story about an Uber driver who's been fined $4,000 for sneaking over the border in Queensland. Yes, actually, he had been over the border for a while, um, but he was slapped with a $4,000 fine by Queensland police. That was because he had COVID-19 and he was driving around passengers. He was confirmed as a local COVID-19 case in mid-October and he had not received the uh, COVID-19 vaccine or used the QR code to check in since September the 18th, a month earlier. And he was infectious in the community before being admitted to hospital on the 20th of October. He was so sick, he couldn't speak to contact tracers and police. And he was slapped with that fine on the spot of 4,135 Australian dollars. He was a bit of a denier about COVID-19 in his 30s, but uh, he didn't help himself by verbally abusing nurses and claiming the coronavirus pandemic was a sham while he was in hospital. He also tried to flee the hospital when first admitted. So uh, this is something that the Queensland government is is talking about. Uh, and it's, I guess, a good sign for people here in Queensland, with Queensland being a bit vaccine hesitant to get the COVID-19 shot. Again, it's a personal choice. You've got to decide whether you want to do it or not. But when you are infected and you're not vaccinated, it can be very damaging for the community, especially somewhere like the Gold Coast, which Singaporeans are so familiar with, uh, where you've got so many people coming in and out. Yeah, you certainly do. And, you know, it's cases like this where if it does explode, then it could ruin all the hard work that everyone's put into getting Australia out of the COVID-19 pandemic and opening the borders once again. It's events like this, Jason. But so good to speak to you and catching up on all things that's making headlines over in Australia. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you very much, Adrian. And speaking of the Gold Coast, I'm thinking about driving down for a swim later this week because the weather now is perfect as we get really into the heart of spring and towards summer, which begins on December the 1st. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.